All right, so at the beginning, if you guys, um, we're gonna leave some space in this session to just have some questions, Q&A if you, if you guys want. So just be thinking of it. It can be anything that has to do with child training, child rearing, um, and we will try to answer it the best we can. Mostly I'll let Diane answer probably. But um, if it, uh, you know, we, we just want to be a blessing to you guys. And, you know, our heart is for parents to be encouraged. So we, we know from experience <laughs> that there's lots of discouraging days and there's lots of seeing things, even in your children growing up, that um, can be troubling and discouraging. And so our heart in these sessions is to impart hope and to impart strength and impart insight and, and wisdom and vision. Um, Psalm 128, I just want to open with, it says, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. So who, who is that here with the parents? You fear the Lord and you want to walk in his ways. Mm -hmm. that's, your, that's your heart's desire. Okay. So that includes us. This is his heart. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. Praise the Lord. Come on. Um, within your home, your children like olive plants around your table. That's, that's the idea of flourishing, growing, uh, lots of foliage there. Um, behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. And may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace upon Israel. So God's heart, I mean, we've gone through, there's lots of scripture that talk about God's heart for the future generations. And um, just want to emphasize that again, that that is hopeful. Um, so I guess maybe the reason that we're up here is that we've kind of gone through the journey a little bit um, with seven and our youngest being 18 years old now. So, um, and seeing the fruit of the Lord doing good things. And so, uh, we've got lots of stories. Diane has lots of stories. She reminded me of one today. I was like, oh, man, I forgot that. That was awesome. So, um, she's going to mostly share tonight. I just want to read this quote, and then I'm going to turn it over to her. Um, this is Charles Spurgeon. He said, you are as much serving God and looking after your own children and training them up in God's fear and minding the home and making your household a church for God so good. As you would be if you had been called to lead an army into battle for the Lord of hosts. Sorry. I believe that. Mm -hmm. There's divine destiny. Um, parenting is, is no small task. Um, and often it's, I mean, most often it's unseen. But you're sowing eternity right. into who knows what God has. Um, the effort is well worthwhile. We say it over and over again. Your investment in your children and raising them up to know and follow Jesus will never be wasted. It will never burn on the day of judgment of all the things that you wonder about. That won't, for sure, because it's God's mandated plan. Um, that's going to last, and uh, it's going to last into future generations. So, uh, babe. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, mainly what Barry and I talked about sharing tonight is kind of like, going back over some things that we have covered, maybe filling it in a little bit more, and then um, probably next week or the week after, we'll really will start diving into a lot of the discipline aspects of it. But um, in prayer, a lot of what I really felt in my heart was just like his heart 
It's just his heart for our families. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes we want to jump to all of the, give me all the tools because I need to fix my problems. But that's not God's heart for our families, that our children are little problems that need to be fixed. They're not. They're souls, and they need to be nurtured, and they need to be loved, and he's all about that. You can take, you know, a carpenter can take a tool and can make a beautiful work of art, and someone else can take the same tool and destroy a beautiful log or a beautiful tree that could have been created into something amazing to the glory of God. But in the hands of the wrong person, it could be totally destroyed. And sometimes, you know, we just, I just feel like in what he was doing is just like he's been going before us and giving us his heart and showing us his paradigm, I believe, with parenting so that when we do get the tools and we go, okay, so here is what discipline looked like in our house and what we believe the Lord is speaking through his scriptures and what, you know, we did, we want to have those tools under the influence of the Holy Spirit and not a spirit of fear, which so often tries to get into our families and then we, we're angry. Well, why? Well, it's really based in fear. Why are we trying to manipulate and control and why are we... Um, you know, not really respecting our children and why are, you know, why, why do we feel like the enemy's coming in and there's just, there's just havoc being wreaked in our homes and, well, I'm doing all the right things. I mean, I have, I have spanked them. I'm, you know, I, I know what the Bible says about that, but we may not have the right spirit in what we're doing. And so, yeah, it, it is a tool that God gave us. It's not the only tool, but it is a tool that he gave us but we, it has to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Um, I have a Mother Teresa down on here. I love her. And um, one thing she said that just really struck out to me, and she said, and here, just think about who she is, you know, and the, the beautiful woman of God that just reached out in love and touched so many of the least of these. And she told a group that she was speaking to one time, if you want to do something really wonderful for the world, go home and love your family. It's so simple. Go home and love your family. And at one time I was telling, this is a story Barry was saying, he didn't quite remember all of it, but, you know, we were talking about how children are such a blessing, and <clears throat> our prayer is that God really help us all to see the amazing treasures and gifts that they are. And um, after we had had five children, um, so Carissa was a baby. She was probably about a year old, but we were at a friend's house, and we had this little prayer meeting, and, um, we were, and the friend's house was close to the Walmart down on South Florida. And so we were at the prayer meeting, and another friend had come down from North Georgia, and she starts praying for me, and she, and Barry and I at that time were really more Barry than me, wrestling, oh, God, do we keep this door open for more children? Like, this is hard. It's the hardest thing we've ever done. Do we keep this door open? And so my friend was praying for me, and she said, Diane, I see one more, no, no, I see, I see two more children. And... I was like, thank you, Lord. You know, I receive it. I receive it. And thank God I wasn't there then. 
then right after that, you know, after the prayer meeting, it was all good. Um, I went to Walmart with the kids. And I didn't usually, if you've ever heard the story that Barry shared about, like, when I went to Publix with all the kids with Landon and, like, how that traumatized me. <laughs> I was like, I am not going to the store with all the kids again, ever. Um, it was too hard until Landon grew up and had a little bit more self-control. But anyway, we went to Walmart, and I just, okay, I need a few things. Everybody's in a good frame of mind. We're going to be okay. I just had peace. Like, we're going to go into Walmart. We're going to get what we need, and then we're going to get back home. It's going to be good. So we go into Walmart and have five, so I have five kids with me. And um, a lady walks up to us, and she looks at me. I don't know, Shana, if you remember this. She looks at me, she looks at all the kids, and she counts them. She's like, one, two, three, four, five, five children. She said, children are a blessing for the Lord. I said, yes, they are. And I looked at my kids, and they were being well-behaved at that moment. Hallelujah. <laughs> so they, um, I was smiling at them, and she says, do you have room for two more? And I'm like, what in the world? I look at my kids like, I'm astonished. We just came from the prayer meeting, and my friend just prayed that over me, like, do you have room for two more? And I'm like, wow. And I look back, and she was gone. And I, I'm like, guys, because when I looked back at them, they're all looking at each other, and they're looking at me like, and then I'm like, did you guys see where she went? Like, nobody saw where she went. I don't know. I've always wondered, God, did you send an angel? You were just confirming your word. I have no idea, but I would not doubt it. We didn't see her anywhere. Nobody could tell where she went. But, and the Lord was saying, children are a blessing from the Lord. That's what he sent her to tell me. And so one thing that we went over before was not all behavior problems or discipline issues. A lot of times it's like we, we want to jump to that because we want to fix things right away, but sometimes we just have to slow down and really get the heart of God with what's going on with our children. I, you know, I think I just prayed in the Spirit all the time, like underneath my breath when you're washing the dishes, when you're doing the laundry and you're, and you're cooking, like you're just praying. And an issue comes up, and I might be talking to my child, and in the heart, in my heart, I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do? You know, what, what are you saying about this? Um, sometimes we overpack our schedule, and we don't really focus on our children's true needs. That's just something to be mindful of, or their character. Sometimes I would hear parents talk about different issues with their kids, and yeah, but then we were on our way here, and then I couldn't deal with it, and then by the time I got home, well, then it was too late, and then the next day, we had this, this, and this, so I couldn't really deal with it then, and like, wait a minute, wait a minute, if you have character issues with your children, let the world stop. You're responsible for God for that little soul, and there really isn't anything else right at that time that is as important as that. The world can stop. If it's two weeks or if it's a month, it really doesn't matter because the soul of that child is all important. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, I hear some parents will say, well, my kids really need a lot or else they get bored and we need to, you know, have a lot of activity. But I just want to 
put a little bug in your ear about boredom. I notice that when my kids, you know, maybe, they really didn't say they were bored a lot. There were there so many for them to play with and do things, so it just didn't happen a lot. And technology, honestly, praise God, was not something we had to deal with. So um, I think that leads to a lot of boredom, actually. But, because um, then when they don't have that, then they don't know what to do. But, um, sometimes. But, um, but I would find that, you know what? They'd go pick up an instrument. They'd make up a game. They'd pick up a book. There were, sometimes we want to, we just want to jump in, oh, our kid's bored, so we need to do something. We don't. Maybe they're going to find something really creative to do that they really love, that they wouldn't have known if you fill in all the time slots. So just something to be mindful of. And then be intentional, very intentional about filling up their love tanks, whether they're two or they're 20. And, um, and this, the Lord alerted this to my heart really early on with our kids. Um, Jace um, was like a year and a half, and Shana had just recently been born. And, um, you know, I was in the little nursery. I was changing Shana's diaper and just, like, talking to her and uh, just ooing on over my little precious baby girl. And I hear one of the workers that was, like, an usher guy, he's talking to someone else about this child in the nursery who is wreaking havoc. He's, like, he's hitting the other kids. He's punching them. And I'm, like, oh, my gosh. Like, uh, Irvin who's doing that? I didn't think at all it could be one, it could be my kid. He's like, oh, it's Jace. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, right away. I knew in my heart, the Holy Spirit was like, he's empty. He's empty. He doesn't know what to do. He's frustrated. He's upset. His world's been turned upside down. Mom and dad are a little bit too busy, too busy for him. And Barry and I, here we were, workers of the church. I talked to Barry. I said, I just feel like, you know, God is given a directive here, and, and he needs us, and we need to pour into him. And we left church. I mean, we didn't leave church, like, for good, but that Sunday, we left. And then we were very intentional. We were like, we cannot let him suffer because everything else at that time seemed to be crying out for our attention. We knew he needed it. Um, And then we talked about how important it is, like, who we really are, because our lives don't lie. What we love controls us. And is Jesus the true center? More is caught than taught, and it's caught because what you love spills out of you who you are, it's coming out, who, what you really love, everyone around you is going to know, and if we want Jesus to be our children's center, then he must be ours, and we become what we behold, so as we're beholding the Lord, we become more like the Lord, and think about it, your children are looking at your face every day, they're beholding you, So they're going to become what they're beholding. Um, 
we talked about parenting in humility and the need to be honest and deal with our own sin in order to be able to deal with our children's. As um, Jesus said, first you have to remove the beam in your own eye, and then you'll be able to take the log out of your brother's eye. And this so applies to our children. And um, we're not talking about spiritual maturity in that you have to have Okay, you have to be totally spiritually mature or else you're not going to be able to, you know, raise godly children. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about, you know, like Psalm 15. Who's going to come before the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And walking before the Lord on a daily basis with clean hands and a pure heart and being honest, um, speaking the truth, the Bible says, like, in the inmost part. So we're not saying one thing and in our heart saying, oh, you're a liar. No, what we're saying with our mouth is congruent with what's really in our heart. Um, so if, it, sometimes we do think, and I, I did this a lot, like I said, I would tell Barry, I'm a terrible parent and I'm ruining the kids because my mentality was, and it took a while for Barry to really help me with this, and, and the Lord really used what he said to me to really help me get free from that, but I had the mentality that I have to do everything perfect or I'm ruining them. So just like, take a deep breath, like you're not ruining your kids. And um, that kind of focus on our behavior, like and us doing everything right, um, and thinking that we have to be, you know, we have to be perfect, which it, it really is an illusion. Um, it really comes from us being, having self at our center and focused on what I'm going to do and whether I'm doing everything right or not, and it's all up to me. Um, but that's wrong. That's a totally wrong paradigm. Self as our center and focusing on my you know, perfectionism and doing, being that perfect parent can lead to focusing on everything my children are doing, not who they're being, but everything that they're doing, and it could lead to them being Pharisees if we're focused on the outward appearance. Um, uh, Pharisees focused on man's approval. They're always comparing themselves with others because their value comes from doing everything right instead of who they are. Like Jesus said, you focus on the, the Pharisees. They have a beautiful cup on the outside. They look great, but the inside's dirty. And if we are just so focused on the outward and we're never dealing with the inward, see the inward, it, the, the Bible says the root of the righteous bears fruit. It's from the root. So it's, it's like what's on the real inside of you. That is what's going to come out. And that's what's where the, the fruit is going to come from. And that's what we really want to offer to the Lord. That's a clean cup. We don't want to come before the Lord and offer anything to him offer a drink or anything to him or anybody else when the inside of the cup is filthy dirty 
So I feel like with that, like, just he helped me to, like, shift from, okay, God, you're the focus. You're the center. It's about what you're going to do, and it's about me lining up. When you deal with me, I repent. The cross is at the center, and I, you know, I repent, and I give it to you, and I move on, and if I need to repent to my kids, I repent to my kids, whatever, but um, we're going to just keep focusing on the Lord. Um, If we have God as our center, then we are safe to admit our faults and our failings, take them to the cross, and move on. And and in a way, you can see the scripture um, being lived out in that he that's been forgiven much loves much. If you're mindful of what you've done wrong and you're looking to the Lord you're trying to keep that clean conscience before the Lord you're dealing with it you're owning it like you're so thankful it's it's a very grateful and thankful place to to live he that's been forgiven much loves much and that love can spill over to your family we live out of a place of dependency on God and joy and freedom The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So where Jesus is on the throne, there's righteousness, peace, and joy. Where he's the center, there's righteousness, peace, and joy. If our home is missing righteousness, peace, and joy, who's at the center of your heart or the heart of your children? It's something to pray about. If we have discord in our home, if we have disharmony in our home, if we have arguing in our home, if we have strife in our home, then it says in James where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. It's like you can open the door and just invite Satan in because he's coming, because there's strife, there's discord, and James tells us that that is earthly wisdom. That's not the way of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there is meekness, and we're, we're willing to humble ourselves. Um, I'm going to take a drink of water. One thing that was really paramount with me with parenting, because, you know, we say it so much, but it's just the honest God truth that we really didn't feel like we knew what we were doing. And so, and we didn't, not that we just didn't feel it, <laughs> we knew it, but Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2, um, I wanted to read a little bit of it. It says, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you, so that you inclear, incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, If you will cry out for knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous, and he's a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keeps the path of judgment and preserves the way of his saints, then you will understand righteousness and judgment and every good path. And when wisdom has entered your heart, knowledge will be pleasant to your soul, 
Discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. I would just go before the Lord and lift up, open up my Bible to Proverbs 2 and cry out and lift up my voice. Like, God, I need wisdom and understanding. I don't know what to do. Help me to seek for your wisdom like I would search for silver. It takes work. How much effort are we putting into crying out to the Lord for the souls of our children, for his wisdom and understanding? He knows what we don't know. He knows how to get to their heart. And we don't have that understanding. He'll give you discretion so you can walk into a room. You can meet a family. And they just want to be buddies with your kids. And the Holy Spirit will light you up and say no. No. Everything that is involved with our children Everything, think about it. It could be from their diet to their schedule to the friends they're going to keep to the entertainment. We need wisdom from the Lord. He's the only one who gives it. You can read a great book on parenting. That's awesome. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is probably not going to take that whole book and just download it into you. It's something that's personal. It says from the Lord's mouth comes wisdom and understanding. If you're close enough, you've got to be really close to somebody to hear what's coming out of their mouth. You've got to get right up close to hear what's coming out of their mouth. God, get up close to him. What are you saying? I need wisdom. I keep having this issue with, with one of my kids. I don't know what to do. Keep taking it before the Lord no matter what it is. It's great to read books. And when I would read books, I'd say, Holy Spirit, highlight to me what you're saying. Because, you know, we can't wear other people's armor. We can't do it. David couldn't wear Saul's armor. We can't wear someone else's armor. But when God speaks to you, honey, it doesn't matter what comes against you. All hell can break loose, and you're going to stand, and you're going to have such conviction, and you're going to pray with tenacity because God has spoken to you, and you know what to do. He's going to help you. He is our rock, and he will give them with us the wisdom that we need. Can we compare our crying out for wisdom like digging for hidden treasure or silver, can we really compare it to that? The Net Bible says acquiring wisdom will be demanding. This will be demanding, but I think out of all the things that we share with you, if you got nothing else but this, this would be the most important thing that we can say, because this was the thing time and time and time again crying out to God, opening up his word. God, what are you saying? We need wisdom. We don't know what to do. It's demanding. How much work and time and effort are we willing to put into crying out to God? Do you know I still cry out to God for my kids? Lately, I've been crying out, God, you said you would pour out your water on the thirsty and your floods on the dry ground. Pour out 
out your spirit on my children and call out their names like Jace and Nicole and Elena and Dante and Julian, Shane and Luis and Isaias and Ethan, Kinza, Frontier, Landon, Emily, Asa, Aiden, and all the rest. God, pour out your spirit on them. You said in Proverbs 1 that when you pour, that it says pour out your spirit and make known to us your words. You know what? We can't understand his words unless he pours out his spirit. We so desperately need him. And he has a way of taking a burden. He has a way of taking a weight. He has a way of taking what could be a drudgery and making it such a delight because he's at the center. And there's righteousness, peace, and joy. A lot of joy. A lot of joy. Sometimes a lot of tears and a lot of pain and, we, and that's where all the crying out to the Lord and searching in his word, but a lot of joy. He changes, he changes, I think Barry said this one time, but, and it, this really struck with, uh, stuck with me. He changes duty to delight. He wants to change the duty that we feel and everything about raising our children like it's this enormous task, and it is, but you know what? Like that song we sang tonight, I love those worship songs, Allison. Nothing's impossible with him. He's the God of miracles. Like, it doesn't matter. It does not matter what you need. He's got it. But he changes duty to delight. We delight in honoring one another because actually we're being so privileged. Like we said last week in Luke 9, 48, whoever cares for a little child like this is caring for me. Whoever cares for me, Jesus said, is caring for God who sent me. And your care for others is the measure of your greatness. So who's going to complain or walk around like they've got a ball and chain wrapped around their leg if they're caring for Jesus? Or who's going to boast about it? Ha, huh, no, you're quite privileged. You're very, very, very privileged. God is privileging us with these children. Privileging us. So, Sissy sent me this text about just even changing diapers. I get changes duty to delight. You're ministering to that little soul. You want them to be dry. You want them to be clean. And when you change that diaper, you're just talking to them and you're loving on them and you're massaging their little arms and their little legs and their little belly. And, you're, and they're just talking to you. And I'll tell you what, nothing better than that. You can talk to them all day long. They're just so precious. Duty from from um, even like even like the spiritual disciplines that we want like okay so when you worship the Lord you know do we what do we do with our kids to teach them to worship do we sit down and we have this little class okay so when you worship the Lord like this is what you do or do you put on some music and do you just worship 
and you let them know that worshiping God is so much fun. Do you think you're going to have to have a little lesson on it? No, they're just going to join you, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be great, and the presence of God is going to come, or you get out the guitar or whatever, and you start worshiping the Lord, and it's awesome. There have been some special times of worshiping the Lord with our family where it felt like heaven came into our home, and it was holy, so holy like I've never felt in any church service, to be very honest with you, so beautiful. And um, even and, and with reading the word, you know, if it's your treasure and you love it, like how much do you have to convince your children to eat ice cream with you? Do you have to really like, oh, come on now, this is really good. All right, well, all right, now if you're not going to eat it, then all right, you're going to be in trouble. Like, don't you love it? You love it. And you know what? They're going to love it. They're going to love it. They're going to love what you love. They're going to love what you love. Um, bedtime. Do we have bedtime bedlam because we're so focused on our duty? And, okay, me, the legalist, was like that. And with putting, now, when, back when we just had Jason Shana, I would be so frustrated and aggravated and like, Barry, da-da-da-da-da. He's like, honey, like, what? Um, I think you got this all wrong. He said, um, the kids are made for the bedtime. The bedtime are made for the kids. Like, they're not a means to an end. They're the end. <laughs> so just stop stressing about everything with bedtime and just start enjoying them. Um, so for our bedtime routine, um, we would, a lot of times at the end of the day, we might read after dinner as a family. Reading aloud to your kids is, oh, it's so amazing. So amazing. And you can read so much above their level, like, and they're getting so much that you're not even realizing that they're getting. Um, I mean, academically, it's incredible uh, vocabulary, correct grammar, if they're looking at the words, if they're following with you, they see the words are spelled correctly. There's so much that they learn if you choose your, your stories carefully, if you read the old children's classics. The character is beautiful. And you know what your kids want to do? They want to emulate that. They want to copy it. They want to be like little Lord Fauntleroy who's so joyful, never complain. It's just beautiful, beautiful stories. But it's a nurturing time. It nurtures their souls. They love to sit up close to you and read. It's such a precious time. So we would read together, and then we'd pick out a couple songs, and each night the kids would be able to choose the songs that we'd sing. A lot of times one of them might be a hymn, which we love the hymns, by the way. The, the theology... Not in all the hymns, but in a lot of them, it's really good. Really good stuff. Um, and then maybe they could sing a happy song or like a, like a, a happy wish, worship song, you know, one that had, was really upbeat. Barry would get out his guitar. Um, it, was, it was really fun. Um, and then, you know, we might, we might hop to bed instead of just walking to bed. Try to make it 
try to make it fun. Like, okay, this is awesome time. Going to bed, like this is amazing. This is so much fun. Everybody together. How much? How many hops did it take you? Oh man, I was 13. What were you? Like it was. I, Barry and I would hop too. Like <laughs> it was really fun just doing that, and then getting into bed with them, scratching their back. So, you know, how was your day? And is, is and they'll they'll start opening up maybe something that bothered them or they might want to you know we would draw pictures on each other's back and then try to guess what they you know I would draw on, on like Carissa's back and she'd try to guess what I was drawing and then she would draw on my back and I'd be like Carissa I didn't get it can you do that again because <laughs> I'd be like half asleep but anyway it's just a good it was such a good together time instead of barking at them to get to bed. It's so good, so good to just delight in them. Um, and, you know, duty with mealtime, uh, getting your kids to eat certain foods can be, you know, World War III. Um, but delight, deli delighting can make it so different. What if they helped you make dinner? What if they were involved in helping you make it? You think they're going to be a little bit more interested in eating it? Yes, they are. And then if you're eating those carrots or whatever, like I'm not saying, you know, we're not, I think some people, I don't know what people think. If some people think we eat super healthy or whatever, we don't really. But we do try to eat some healthy things. We do try to have vegetables every night or whatever or salad. But if you take whatever, you're like, this is really good. Like, do you like this? Yeah, and me and Barry are like, yeah, this is really good. You know what the kids are going to be like? Man, I must be missing out. They, they, they act like that's really good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it can change. It, can it doesn't necessarily work on quinoa or something like that. But. Okay, so there, there, okay, I did try, I did try the quinoa, and Barry was like, totally vetoed it, like, no. Nobody has to eat quinoa. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Dad, okay, you got to cook it right, Sissy says, and then it'll be good. Okay. Yeah. We need to have a quinoa cooking class <laughs> with Sissy. Yeah. Well, I mean, so just real quickly, you have to choose your battles. Like, what is really worth it? And if, if they really don't like something, I mean, there's food we really don't like. And if it has a real strong taste, or it's just an adult tasting food, or it's an acquired taste of strong stuff that you didn't learn to like until you were adult. I mean, really, is that the battle you're gonna choose? I mean, to me, that's, that's pointless. But, I mean, we have known a guy that was an adult my age, and all he ate was like four things, right, babe? He ate, he ate spaghetti noodles with no sauce. No, no, no. I Listen, I, I want to testify that Jeremiah, I saw him with my own eyes eat a salad today, okay? <laughs> yep, revival has come to the heart of the Father. But this guy ate peanut butter and jelly, uh, spaghetti noodles with no sauce. Carrots, um, carrots, and candy. Yeah, that's it. That's all he ate. He's, he's full-grown, married adult. That's all he ate. Okay, somebody dropped the ball. Somebody dropped the ball for him. Um, but you've you got to choose your battles, you know. If you have a lot going on with your, with your younger children, um, I mean, you do want them to, to eat their food. But if, if it's going to be, like she said, World War III, and I mean, sometimes, you, you know, 
There's battles that you cannot lose mm-hmm. with your kids. And sometimes we'd say, okay, so you didn't eat this for dinner. You can have it for breakfast. Usually they ate it when it came down to that. And I know Shana and her family, like, they do that now. Okay, you didn't eat it. It's okay. No, no stress, no pressure. It's all right. Not worrying me any. Just have it for breakfast or have it for dinner or whenever. Next time, if you're hungry, instead of a snack or, you know, you're not, there won't be any dessert, just have it later. It's not a big deal. I mean, there, and there were times when it was an out, the, there were times it was like a, a definite, like a this is a definite defiance thing. Um, and then, okay, you have to take them away from the table and give them a few swats, come back to the table, okay. But then, you know, after that, be like, okay, no, mommy's saying you're done and you'll have it later. We're not going to continue to, to do this. Did you want to say anything else? <coughs> so, um, let's see. God wants our homes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when they were real little, I mean, we did just. Oh, okay. So sis, Sissy's asking if we would, you know, it, it, were the children allowed to say, "Well, no, I don't like this. I don't want to eat this," and um, basically, would we be okay with that? Like, if they really didn't like it. Um, like Barry is saying, there are a few things like we don't really like. So basically, we cooked what we did like. <laughs> you know, we didn't sit down to a meal that we didn't like. But we'd say, no, you have to eat a few bites. You know, you, you do have to eat it. Um, and if, if they hated it, then, okay, we'll take three bites, and then you can be done. You don't have to eat all of it. And we never wanted them to feel like they had to eat everything on their plate. We didn't want them to be compulsive eaters. Like, you know, some people grew up like that. Like, no, I have to eat everything. No, you don't have to eat everything. Just eat, you know, eat a good amount. And, you know, and we knew, you, you know, you, you learn your child. You know what is it that when they've eaten a good amount or when, you know, they're just taking one bite of everything and then they want dessert in 10 minutes. Like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, but anyway, I mean, we, they might, it, I mean, it would be fine for them to voice it in a respectful way, but if it, you know, so it depends. Like if they're saying, I don't like it, and it's a whine, and it's a complaint, and it's a dig, or it's a, you know, like, I don't know. If, if they didn't say it in a respectful way, then I don't think that would be allowed. That wouldn't be appropriate. You know, or we, you know, never allowing disrespectful behavior one way or the other, us disrespecting our kids or our kids disrespecting us. And then always after mealtime, we had them, you know, thank me for the meal. You know, it's respectful to think of the person who worked for you and provided this meal for you. So thank you, Mom, for the meal. And you know what? They still do it. That's very sweet. And then when they go somewhere else, they'll thank whoever made the meal for them. And that's, that's just polite. That's just kindness. That's, 
just way to, you know, honor. So um, always encourage that. Um, um, but anyway, um, God wants our homes to be filled with the light. He doesn't want them to be a war zone, but a place where he reigns, again, where there's righteousness, peace, and joy, where you delight in God, and as a husband and wife, they see you delight in each other, and you delight in them, and you know what's going to happen? They're going to flourish. They're going to delight in you. They're going to delight in God, and they're even going to delight in each other. It's a beautiful thing, like, just, um, you know, we had, we definitely had our struggles when the kids were really little, but then as they grew up, they became best friends, and it's so sweet, and I think some of the most beautiful times have been just seeing how much they love each other, um, just very, very sweet, and just very, very precious. Yeah, and just... One of the greatest things that you can do for your children in all the world as husband and wife is to love your husband and love your wife in front of them. Um, they feel it. You know, we, Diane and I are, you know, physical touch people, so we would always hug and embarrass them, kiss in public and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, um, you know, even as adults, like they, they wrote us, this, they gave us 52 reasons why we love you, a deck of cards, like, but they made their own and they wrote reasons on there. And several of those reasons were thank you for showing affection in public, even though it embarrassed us. Because this is, this is what one of them said. He's 24 years old now. Um, because we knew that if you loved each other like that, that you would love us too. And so lots of times when we would hug, just like kitchen, just um, all of them would do this when they were little. They'd come and try to get in between us. It was like a love sandwich. They felt so secure in the fact that mommy and daddy really do love each other. It's huge. And it sets the atmosphere in your home for your kids to feel secure. Mm -hmm. If mommy and daddy really love each other, this is a safe place to live. And it makes their little hearts happy, I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. It's one of the greatest things that you can possibly do for your children for their own security and stability. Okay. And I guess there's just one other thing I want to share, and then we can open it up to questions. Um, and that is um, just the story about how perspective changes duty to delight and how the Holy Spirit helps us to change, to, to have a, a mind uh, shift and a paradigm shift in this regard and and I have felt like the Lord's dealt with me before like do we rightly discern the Lord's body well what does that even mean I think a lot of it has to do with like how are we treating each other you know like it says in, in um, where is it about rightly discerning the Lord's body like Paul rightly discerning the Lord's body and communion, 1 Corinthians 11, and it says money dies early. I'm like, what? Like, this is a big deal to the Lord. Our children are part of Christ's body. They are part of the body of Christ. Are we rightly discerning the Lord's body? And uh, so this is the story. Um, one time when Barry's mom was living with us, um, the, you know, 
she had MS, so she needed help taking a shower. And um, so every once in a while, that would fall on me because we had some people in to help her with a lot of different things. Um, because at that time, Malia was just eight when she moved in with us, so I was still homeschooling and had a lot of stuff going on. But she, um, you know, once in a while she would need help, and I would do it, and, but I hated it. Can I tell you that? Like, I hate, oh, you talk about duty? Oh, that was the worst. Because I'm not a nurse, and I don't like that stuff. Like, I just don't. I hated it. But, I mean, I didn't tell her that, and I was like, sure, okay, yeah, I'll give you a shower today. Oh, Lord, I can't believe it. Oh, help me, God, I need grace. But, um, so I was over there giving her a shower. This is the last time I ever had the privilege of giving her a shower. And, and I saw then how dumb I had been and had the wrong perspective. But it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes him to show us. I was giving her a shower, and I was washing her hair, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you're washing my bride's hair. And I was like, Lord, you're right. All this time, this was such a drudgery, and I hated it, but you were trying to honor me and give me a privilege, and I blew it so many times, but not this time. I'm telling you, I could not wash her hair gentle enough or more lovingly. I could not be more tender with her. It, it didn't matter if it took all day. All of a sudden, I didn't care because she was the Lord's bride, and he was privileging me to take care of her. And He's privileging us to take care of our children. It is an honor from him. And so I just encourage you with that. And I guess we'll open it up to questions. So anybody have any questions? I'll come around with the mic. Everybody's got it going on. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, I just totally lost. Okay, so bedtime. I feel like it always starts like a delight and it's wonderful. At what point, like, I guess, how do you end it? Like, I feel like mm -hmm. it drags on and on and it's like, okay, we've played our games, we've sang our songs, we've read our books, now you want a drink, now you want an ice pack and a Band-Aid and what else can I give you before you actually go to sleep? And then it's like, you're getting a spanking, just go to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah. how, how do you transition it? Still joyfully. <laughs> I well, I'm so glad you asked that, Morgan, because one thing I had written down on here that I forgot to say was that, because we ran into the same thing. It's like, they, then at that point, they don't want you to go. But um, we would put on Christian um, lullabies. Our kids listened to um, Michael Card, Sleep Sound in Jesus. And he had a two, I think, different lullaby albums. They would listen to them, and then as they got older, we let them listen to the Bible on CD. So they would go to sleep listening to the Word of God. And um, that really solved it right there. So. so do you mean like a 
okay, we're done. We're going to put on the music and then good night. Yeah, good night. Yeah, that's okay. it. And if, like, I mean, and you can, sometimes you, sometimes you have to, is this legitimate? Are they really getting out of bed because they need to? Or is this starting to be a game to them and they're really not obeying and going to bed and that time it might be yeah, time to... Mr. Spanky. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so the line gets crossed, I think, when they're at that point defying their authority. But I think it helps to tell them in advance what the process is going to be. And then they know what to expect. And then they know that they're going, what are you going to do now? Then Mr. Switch comes into play sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, I, I think we've all experienced that. Routine helps so much. When you have a routine, it, I bet you it knocks out 50% of discipline issues, having a routine. It just helps so much. It's like the, tr it's like the train tracks, you know, that move the train along those routines just move the train along okay this is what time it is oh this is our routine for this and it's very helpful my question for barry what were some ways that you would connect with your kids so i notice you know they naturally connect with mom and their relationship's good what were just some things that you would do to try to connect to them at a young age um well I'd be silly with them. Um, I had nicknames for all of them, sometimes multiple ones. And um, I call Shana Louie and Little Lulu and um, Dearest and all kinds of things like that. But there were just special names for them that I had. I mean, that was, that's one thing. Um, also, when I would come in, I'd get down on the floor and they would all pile on my back and see how many of them I could carry. You know, they'd, they'd stack up literally to try to all get on my back. And um, just things like that. You know, I've just found that you know, whatever you can do to smile at your kids, look at them in the eye, touch them, let them know that you enjoy, and whatever you can do to communicate that you enjoy being with them, they're not a burden to you. You're not trying to get them checked off the list so you can do what you really want. I mean, they, they intuitively know, like, if you really like them. <laughs> so play games. We, you know, Diane talked about reading. Um, we had books that we read where I would read you know, longer books like Old Squire's Farm. These just kind of stories from old timey stuff. They loved it. That way you read, that way you read. So I'd sit in the chair and, you know, we might read for 30 uh, minutes in the evening. Um, and then that was like a tradition and they would did, couldn't wait to pick up on the next thing, you know. And so just really, there's some really good, wholesome kinds of stories, but they're really interesting. They have interesting characters. We did that a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And they loved it. Even when they're older, they're like, Come on, Dad, you want to read these books? Or they'd see them on the shelf and they go, oh, I remember that book. That was so awesome. I mean, it really did make an impact on them. So um, things like that. I mean, wh whatever, communicating to them that you enjoy being with them is huge. It's huge. Um, you can't really fake that. Like, they intuitively know that you do. Um, I mean, in, you know, just kudo to you. Like, I can see that you do. And, and I think that Josie knows that. Mm -hmm. The way that you interact with her, hold her, look at her. You know, I, I observe those kind of things, and I think, oh, you're doing mm -hmm. a good job. Yeah, and Barry, like, one thing that he would do, too, is um, if he was, when we didn't have as many, um, when there weren't as many kids, but, like, if he was going to drive his truck somewhere or go to his holding area, he might take Jason Shana with them, 
or Jason, Shana, Landon, Wesley, or whoever, and then they're all coming back with Yoo-Hoo. They were out with Dad, and they got their Yoo-Hoo, and I'm like, oh, great, it's right before dinner. But, <laughs> like, but no, like, no, but being with Dad, like, he, I was like, honey, you, like, you bought them Yoo-Hoo, like, we're getting ready. He's like, no, they go out with me. I want them to feel like they got treated with Dad, and it was a special time. It was a fun time. I want when I drive away for them to want to go with me, so... Um, you talked a lot, you were talking earlier um, about how you love that they love each other. And I've asked you this before, like how do you um, teach them brotherly love? And obviously mine are younger, almost five, almost three. And, you know, smaller concepts, but what are some ideas to teach young ones how to prefer one another? Mm. Well, um, I would tell them. Uh, and maybe we're sitting down to read and okay sitting right by mom of course you don't have this problem you only got two <laughs> one can be on each side but we had multiple so it was always the issue of who gets to sit by mom and then you know be able to see the the pictures um but I'd be like guys guess what right now someone has an opportunity to prefer Jesus because however we treat others is the way we treat him right and they're like yeah okay well who wants to prefer Jesus oh you can sit there you can sit there you know they were just so willing when you turn it around and you make it about Jesus and honoring him you would be surprised at how much they their hearts they really do want to honor him so, I mean, that as far as like reading or in any regard, if it comes down to preferring one another, you can always pull that out. You know, when you prefer others, like it is as unto Jesus, you're doing it for Jesus. So would you like to prefer him first? You know, and a lot of times they're just going to say, yeah, like I would. Um, and then, you know, Wesley and Landon, they had the hardest time with each other. And so... I, um, a friend of mine had given me a picture she had taken of the two of them at Shana's baptism. And, and Landon was just standing behind Wesley, and he just had his arm around him. And they're just both like, it was just a beautiful picture. And so I kept that in their room. And when there were issues, I'd be like, oh, look at this picture. You guys, I love, I love this picture. I love that you... I know you're having a hard time right now, but I know you really do love each other. And you know what? One day, you're going to be, you might have trouble. You might be broken down on the side of the road, and you're going to call Wesley. And he's going to say, sure, Landon, I'll be right there. He's always going to be there to help you and to pray for you. Like, you guys are going to be best friends. Like, I know you're having trouble right now, but I know that you really do love each other. God's going to help us work through this, but this is what this is what you really have. This is a very special relationship you have with him, and there's nothing in the world that can take this the place of, you know, your relationship with each other. So that kind of helped. Yeah, we would tell them regularly, you're going to be best friends for your whole life, you guys. So, like, these little things, you don't let them get in the way. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't bury the scripture you with Landon and Wesley about overlooking offenses. Oh, yeah. It's the glory of a man to overlook an offense, Proverbs 19.10. So. He, he had to memorize that one. <laughs> um, did you let your kids sleep in your bed? 
And wh- how do you handle that? Absolutely not. <laughs> Never, ever, ever, ever did we do that. No, the first night when Jace was born, our first child, he slept on my chest because I was rocked. But they sure you're like, get out. <laughs> they, they did not, no, we did not allow him And to sleep it's just, me. I couldn't sleep. I'm a very, very light sleeper, so I hear every breath. And I, I couldn't even sleep with them in the room with us. Now, some people do that, and it's not like it's wrong. Yeah. We just didn't. No, we didn't. We never did from the beginning, and um, it was just better that way for us. <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong, wrong, but I, I've heard lots of stories about it, how, it, how it doesn't usually end well. But like <laughs> so, anyway. Okay, so kind of in your bedtime, you referred to doing it like the whole group together. Mm -hmm. Did you do that always, the whole group? Or did you ever do like individual? I don't know, did you guys do like a lot more group stuff? I mean, you had seven kids. Mm -hmm. So how often Mm -hmm. did you kind of focus on doing the individual? Not just bedtime, but just in the regular, like that one-on-one time. Right, well, um, once they got to be 12, they got to stay up later. Um, so at that point, they weren't hopping to bed anymore. <laughs> but um, as far as the story and as far as singing, you know, it was still all together and then praying together before we went to bed. And then the others, their one-on-one time became, it looked differently. You know, maybe they're sitting in the kitchen later with me and Barry, or maybe they're playing cards with their dad, or, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the same anymore once they got to stay up later. Yeah, once they got older, of course, yeah. it's a different routine. They go to bed differently. But, yeah, we would do them in groups then. But still, we had a time together before mm-hmm. we split them off into groups. You know, come on, guys, we're going we're gonna to pray or scratch each other's back or sing whatever we were going to do. But there would still be that family connection, and then we would break the younger ones off and put them down. And then the older ones were like, oh, we still get to stay up. So... But there was still a special time there, you know, just it's age specific, obviously, but we still tried to have that time where we were all together and it just felt like, okay, the whole family's gathered together here. It just made a sense of security, I feel like, for them, like we're we're all part of this family. They just have a a strong sense of we belong. Mm -hmm. We belong. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've been running a business, what, probably since you first started having children, right? Yeah, so, I mean, you worked a lot of hours, and so my question is, what kind of um, strategy, I guess, or best practices, you know, for lack of better words, did you use when you you come home from a long day of work and work's kind of overflowing into, you, you know, when you get home, what did, how did you, like, turn it off and, you know, really strive to kind of engage and when you know you got jobs going and men laying out and collecting money, you know, all the stuff that's, you know, running a business, like, how did you, like, how did you manage that at home? Because I feel like I struggle turning it off and then checking out, you know, as far as engaging. That's a, that's a real challenge for me, personally. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a challenge. I, I don't know, just practice, I guess, of, of deciding when I'm driving home, when I was driving home from work, I'd be like, okay, I'm going, I'm going home now, like, I'm going to shut all this off. And I'm gonna try to be all there, you know, for my family and for my kids. I mean, it's, you know, exhaustion's a thing, you know. I mean, <laughs> it is. But um, 
you know, Diane would do really well too. It's like, you know, Daddy's working. If I was working extra long and I was coming home late, Daddy's working extra late. What special thing can we do, you know, for him when he gets home? And it would just be, for them, they didn't feel like I, you know, they they were just turning their attention. Like we're still a family. Like if Dad's home late, then we're gonna try to do something special for him. Like she would have him rub my feet, you know. Um, I'd be sitting on the chair, and I'd, let's rub Daddy's feet, and it, so it'd be all, they'd be all excited about, it, you know. So it'd still be that connection, and I'd be like, <laughs> uh, you know. But um, uh, you know, I think there I think there's ways, and I think the mom, when you come home, can do um, can help too to to do that. And you know, what Diane, one thing, so many things she did really well. But one of the things that she did was to to make that connection of um, Daddy's worked so hard for us. So when I come home, my kids would say, Daddy, thank you for working so hard for us. Yeah, and they, you know, they still do, honestly. I mean, um, so that's kind of a beautiful thing. And it, it makes them feel like I'm not missing out on something. You know, we're still a family. We're all together. We're doing this thing together. And um, so I think you can work from both ends, from the home side and then from your side. Just try to shut it down, turn the phone off, all that kind of stuff, and, and try to be all there as best you can. And he kept the TV off. You know, that was a big thing, you know. That was good. <laughs> well, I guess I just, I hope this is okay. Like, but just like, because I know you did work a lot when you were little, but it just, I remember mom always telling us, yeah, dad loves us so much. Like, he's working so hard for us. And so, like, for us, it was enough. I mean, at least for me, I never felt like, oh, like, why is my dad gone? Like, of course, I would miss him and stuff, but I didn't ever feel like badly towards him because of that. It was always like a positive like wow like he loves me so much and um I think that sometimes changes the mindset I just just because I was one of the children like that <laughs> I don't know but um I have a question about bedtime too because <laughs> like usually by the time it's bedtime like I have such a hard time for it to be a delight because I am exhausted yeah and I I just want to get into bed myself <laughs> and so like and like Prince here, like I put him to bed like right after we put the other one. So I feel like he's fussy, he's ready to go to bed. And so I can't like take 20 minutes or whatever to put the other ones to bed. And if you had any suggestions there. Mm. Well, I mean, <coughs> you can, your bedtime routine can look however you want it to look. You know, for us, you know, like we did those certain things, but like if the story is after lunch, like it, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Bedtime routine can be a lot shorter. And then, I mean, you know, Shana, um, sometimes I felt like I was crawling in and out of their beds to rub their back and literally exhausted and, you know, pregnant with number five, six, or seven. And, yeah, yeah, you're exhausted. But there's, you know, I love how what we have to offer doesn't really matter to the Lord because he delights in taking our crumbs and he breathes on whatever we give him. He takes what, you can be exhausted. We, you know, we have situations even now come up and I'll be like, okay, God, you know, it's not in me. And we need to be on the giving end. And I feel depleted but I just offer this to you. And you know what? God always comes through. He always comes through. So even, Shana, on the little 
you know, in the little moments of just like, okay, God, I'm exhausted, and I just give this bedtime to you, and I just pray for your presence to fill them with your peace, and um, just ask for your spirit to be with us, and let them to go to sleep, you know, in your love and in your peace, and he will be there. He will be there. He gives us, a, he gives strength to the weary, right? He does. He gives strength to the weary and to the weary moms. Yeah, you, you know, there's going to be situations where you have to adapt, obviously. Mm-hmm. You're pregnant, you're tired, you're sick, you're all mm-hmm. of that. I mean, but, but it's just an overall um, atmosphere and climate that you're creating in your mm-hmm. home. That's what you're going for. Um, to create that atmosphere that what they're what they know is that we're a family we love each other we hang together um, we love Jesus uh, as the center of everything and just trying to create that atmosphere as best you can the Lord you know he he makes up the gaps Mm -hmm. all right thank you guys for your questions keep thinking we're good Next week.